What is Labour's economic policy? Does the Shadow Chancellor know? And has it changed since I started this sentence? Also, what does Labour's last leader, well, the standing one anyway, think about Jeremy Corbyn? One of the things that I did vow to do was not to breathe down the neck of your successor. So far, I'm holding to my vow, but <laughs> I'm sure I'll crack soon. Hello, Paul Osborne here. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for making it to the first minute. In a surprising break with tradition, uh, Robert Meakin is with me in the very same room. Absolutely. I am an illegal immigrant here in London. So it's a month now since Jeremy Corbyn took over. And Harriet Harman, having spent the summer as acting Labour leader, is now back to being a normal constituency MP. I thought it might be an interesting chance to find out what she thought of her replacement. I think it was very, very disappointing for us to lose the election in 2015 and there was bound to be a bit of soul-searching as to why we lost and what we do about it. So it was never going to be um, an easy route back. Um, but it's very important, I think, that we do we do get back into government because without we're in government, we can see what's happening to our constituents. We, we can't do anything about it. So it's not just about saying the right thing. It's winning public support. We as the Labour Party need to command the confidence of, of the public and we've got a way to go on that. Has Mr Corbyn asked you for any advice? I did sit down and have a discussion with him about a number of things um, just um, prior to the election, um, but not since um, he's been elected. I'm sure he's got you know, his team of advisers in place. And one of the things that I did vow to do was not do what so many other people can't resist doing, which is breathe down the neck of your successor. So far, I'm holding to my vow, but <laughs> I'm sure I'll crack soon. <laughs> There's a question of how long do you do the people who were at the top of the Labour Party in the last few years hold their tongue if getting back into power is more important than giving the new leader a fair go? Well, I, I don't think we're commentators and I don't think we should ever second guess the voters. The question is whether or not that confidence does return to the Labour Party from the voters. I don't think actually that, that people particularly love the Tory party or love David Cameron. It's just that they didn't have confidence in us before 2015. And the question of whether or not that confidence has been rebuilt and that confidence is returned will be shown in the polls. It'll be shown when we have our elections in London in May. It'll be shown in the council elections all around the country in May. And it'll be shown in our elections for the Scottish Parliament and um, Wales in May. So I guess that'll be the first big point at which we can tell whether or not the public, having moved away from us before 2015, are going to come back to us. So Harriet Harman is keeping her vow of silence for the moment. I mean, the poor woman's been through quite a lot in recent months, to be fair, to be responsible for that Labour leadership contest and have to sit silently for all that long. I think she deserves probably to enjoy herself, put her feet up for a while and just choose choose her moment because I think at some point she will end up saying rather a lot. And it's it sounds like she's itching to do it already. Oh, yeah. Says, you know, I'm going to break my silence at some point. I mean, it's not today, but yeah. I'm going to do it. I mean, when you the party that you know that you think you should be representing is falling apart around you after a calamitous general election defeat and you've been made caretaker leader. That's quite a lot on your brief, I think, for a few months. She's officially uh, when when I spoke to her, said, you know, I'm not I'm I'm not going to do this thing that past Labour leaders have done of slagging off the people who take over. I'm not getting into that 
for the moment. Mm. But, you know, it is important that we are elected because if we're not elected, mm. then we can't do anything. And that kind of does cut to the chase of the major Labour objection to Jeremy Corbyn, which is that he's not electable. Yeah, the old-fashioned electable bit is probably even some of his biggest champions will say might be a bit of a drawback presently. And it's the bit that the Blairites and non-Blairites, shall we say the mainstream of the Labour Party hierarchy, always misunderstood when they were saying why Corbyn shouldn't be leader. They were saying, we're in it to win elections. There's no point being the Labour Party if you can't be in power. I think what their blind side was, and I think it was blind side of most of us, was that the people who were supporting Jeremy Corbyn didn't particularly care about power. That was quite secondary. It was no. very hard, if you're Lord Mandelson or if you're Tony Blair, to get your head round. I was trying to explain this to somebody earlier in the week and I said it's a bit like if a friend of yours got dumped, you could sit down with them in the pub and say, what we need to do is address the reasons why you were dumped. What is it that makes you dumpable? And we're going to deal with those reasons and make you undumpable in the future. Or you put your arm around them and go, they are an idiot for dumping you and they will see they are wrong and they will rue the day. And it's kind of what happens when parties lose elections. Yeah. And it happened to Labour when in 1979 when they put Michael Foot in and it happened to the Tories for eight again years and again and again. Tony yeah. Blair, is that instead of saying, why don't the voters like me? What am I doing that's alienating them? What you do is you go for somebody who says, they are wrong. You are right, and they will see. Mm. And and Jeremy Corbyn is, to the Labour Party, what William Hague and <clears throat> Ian Duncan Smith Certainly. were to the Conservative Party. He He's soothing yes. to people who are already of that persuasion. And the fact that he maybe doesn't really appeal to many other people doesn't really matter at the moment, because what they want, they want the arm around the shoulder. They want to feel a little bit better. It's also interesting what Harriet Harman said about, you know, the real test is May next year, mm. when you have this run of elections. Thousands of council seats up in England, Scottish Parliament, Welsh Assembly, Police and Crime Commissioners, and London Mayor. And that was the one that she fixated on, because she's a London MP. Clearly, there is this thing coalescing around next May... He'll have been in for eight, nine months by that point. If they can't show progress, that's maybe not when they're going to move against him, but they're going to start to be more public, more yeah. open about having a go at Formal it. momentum, I think, well, yeah, it will be It'll be then. And that's when a number of people can, I think, genuinely step forward and say, well, questions now have to be asked. Until then, what can they possibly do? I mean, even though, right as we speak, there's all, all talks of rebellions inside the party, they can hardly get rid of Jeremy Corbyn over the next few months. The man's got, as he is very keen to remind us, an enormous mandate. They are stuck, I think, presently. I mean, I think he will. I think he could survive all the way through because I'm not sure that the, the the bulk of people supporting him are that concerned about elections as you say it's an argument it's those people are wrong those stupid people are wrong and we're going to stick true to our principles we're going to be a proper Labour Party rather than the decaffeinated Tories of previously and we, and we will lose with, with we'll dignity lose with dignity we shall be great martyrs two weeks ago John McDonnell stands up at the Labour Party conference we're not deficit deniers we're going to going to sign up to this fiscal charter, this ridiculous idea that you can pass a law to oblige you to have a budget surplus. We're going to sign up to it uh, just to prove to everybody that we can be trusted on the economy. And then at the start of this week, he says, I've changed my mind about that. We're not going to sign up to it at all. Normal human beings in day-to-day -day life, you can change your mind and you can look at something and think, well, I understood it this way, but now... Oh, having looked at it a bit more closely, no, I'm going to go this other way. Day-to-day -day life, that can be acceptable. When you're the shadow chancellor 
and you've just suddenly worked out actually that's not your position because you've been to the northeast to yeah. see all those unfortunate people in the steel industry you've thought my goodness this situation is worse than i first realized i'm going to change policy that looks bloody bizarre he was anti-austerity he was against the government's cuts he was against government policy he said the government was ruining the economy but he didn't realize that until one steel plant closed down yeah and then he suddenly realized and that made him think oh i need to do a complete u-turn on my economic policy yeah. it was nothing to do with the fact that a huge number of labor mps were going to vote against it anyway i think there was a bit of panic after a while they started to realize the uh, that they played this wrong from the start um let's have a, a, a listen to one other thing that harriet harman told me uh, when i i spoke to her she was specifically concerned about the lack of women at the top of the labor party I think there is an issue, not least because there are so many great women in the Labour Party and because we've always stood up for, for women in this country. I think the truth is, actually, we've got more women Labour MPs than all the other parties put together. And without Labour being the voice for women, who else is standing up for women on issues like childcare, on domestic violence, on unequal pay, about unequal opportunities? Really, Labour has to do that. So it is unfortunate that we've got a clean sweep of men at the top. But despite that, Labour women are going to be strongly speaking up for women. Jeremy Corbyn supporters will say, ah, oh, but, you know, there are more women in the shadow cabinet now than they've ever been. It's 50-50 split but they're not in the top jobs mm. the, the top jobs are, are, it's male only so how do you then reach out to women if there are no women in the top jobs mm. to speak to them it is interesting that 1997 when that huge influx of the female mps came in off on the back of the labor landslide that it did seem that was the new dawn they were kicking the doors open i would argue actually that the blair babe generation was one of the most it was a, a failure when you look at it in, in, in brutal terms, in terms of what jobs did they get, when, they, when you look at how many of them have gone out of politics altogether now, it was a huge failure. And you think of the, the, the people who survived, say, who are the most prominent women in the Labour Party presently? Who were the people who were in a position to go for leadership? Yvette Cooper? Liz Kendall is obviously the, the rank outsider. But Yvette Cooper was the one who survived. Is that, was that the highest, was that the sort of person you imagined all those years ago who was going to come through and be that dynamic female leader that the Labour Party was crying out for. I'd have to argue, no. The paucity of talent at the top of the Labour Party, that, no no disrespect, but Yvette Cooper, Andy Burnham and Liz Kendall are your choices for leader. People like Chuka Amuna say, I'm not doing that, and walk away after a few days. Yep. And we're looking at other people like Keir Starmer and Dan Jarvis, who've been MPs for six months, are yeah, saying, oh, yeah. well, can we persuade one of them to run? This is a party that was in government for 13 years yeah. and isn't able to produce a new generation yeah. of leaders. It's a bit like when you read about yeah, the famous celebrities and the offspring, and they're obviously normally doomed. Yeah, you get famous actors, and then they also try to do the same thing, but the son or daughter isn't as successful. <laughs> it's, it's a pale imitation. And I can't help but bring that parallel. But you think they're the Lisa the Marie Presley. They are, they are the Lisa Marie <laughs> Presleys, the Julian Lennons. Of... <laughs> oh, that's harsh. <laughs> Too Late for Goodbyes is a classic. It is a good song, yeah. Of course, one woman who's done very well out of the Jeremy Corbyn um, leadership, I was going to say something else and I realised that it was inappropriate, <laughs> is Diane Abbott. Yes, God I'm going to say that again because I was going to say the rise of Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> You've got to leave that in. Someone else has done very well out of the rise of Jeremy Corbyn. You've got to do it again. Okay. Do it again. Okay. Of course, one woman who's done very well out of the rise of Jeremy Corbyn is Diane Abbott. Actually, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Um, it's, one it's, woman who's done very well from Jeremy Corbyn's ascent to the Labour leadership 
who, according to one Labour MP who talking to the Financial Times this week, said, oh, yes, we've got a nickname for Diane Abbott, Madame Mao. And she's apparently got into this business of fierce denunciation mm. of anybody who speaks against the line. This whole thing with John McDonnell and the U-turn on the economy, oh, the MPs will come to terms it's with it. It's a process. It. This is what the great mass of the party mm. wants. They want constant vacillation and never to really know what they stand for. Yeah, I mean... We I don't think I mean, Diane Abbott's ego has ever had been in much difficulty, but she's waited for this time for so long. Having been regarded in that patronising fashion as the sort of the quirky left-wing backbench for so long, and obviously had a nice career on the back of it media-wise, she's been in that position for so, so long. The fact the bounce of the ball, or the ricochet of the ball, whatever you want to call it, has landed that somehow she is suddenly a prominent figure on a Labour front bench. She is revelling in it. It's a bit early, to start throwing your weight around like this and saying to, to the MPs, who are a reasonably important part of a political party, your opinions don't matter because the great mass yeah. of the party membership have told you what to do. Yeah. And there is always behind it hovering this threat. You might get deselected. Yeah. She's going, she, she's going very Soviet very, very quickly. Uh, let's mop up a couple of other things quickly. Uh, Nick Clegg... Remember him? He used to be the deputy prime minister. Oh, he rings a bell, but I must. He admit, had a very popular video on YouTube about saying sorry a lot. Yeah, yeah he has popped up again to talk about what he says his biggest, possibly his biggest mistake of the whole five years of the coalition. Now you might think that might have been you know abandoning that promise on on tuition fees, but apparently it was sitting too close to David Cameron at Prime Minister's questions because it made the Liberal Democrats look like passengers mm. in the coalition instead of architects of the coalition. I rather felt that it was the feeling that they were architects of the coalition that is the reason that, you know, 49 of them lost their jobs. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't think... I know, I mean, you know what he's getting at because it always looks... It was a terrible camera angle with a very glum Nick Clegg with his head down having to sort of grimace at David Cameron's rubbish jokes every week. It was an unfortunate image for them. But I think clutching at straws, possibly. I don't think when it comes terms when it comes down to biggest regrets I had as Liberal Democrat leader. I think there are I a think, few more. I don't think. I don't think just being a little a bit uncomfortable sitting there next to David Cameron was necessarily the worst of them all. The only way the Liberal Democrats can achieve any of their aims is to go into coalition. They're not going to win an election outright. Hmm. If the price of going into a coalition is that you are destroyed to the extent that you are eliminated as an electoral force for twenty years hmm. afterwards, if that's the price, um. Is it worth it? Is there much point in them? Which, without being flippant, you do... If you get five to... years in the sun, and yeah. then the cost of that five years is 25 years in the wilderness, mm. the ratio's not great. They noted at the recent party conference, which not many people paid that much attention to, it was the happiest conference in years, because they were out of power, a small number of MPs, and you're back to being plucky underdogs. I mean, I've used this phrase before, it's almost like lukewarm water for them, really, that that is a territory they like to occupy. Those people, overall, I think you get the feeling they've been happiest when mugging people at by-elections. But you do get the sense, oh, the Liberal Democrats, really, what are they? Were they really a bunch of inflated parish councillors who weren't actually that comfortable in the nasty cut and thrust of government politics? We're going to talk briefly about the launch of the EU referendum campaigns. Uh, we're not going to because we've run out of time. And also because I've got to be honest with you, I think the EU referendum at this stage is one of the most boring things in the world. Yeah. One guy on the BBC said this week, um, don't worry, we'll be talking about this for years. I nearly punched a hole in yeah. my television. Let's just not. 
so we'll leave it there thank you very much uh, for listening as ever do get in touch on the twitter details in the show description and uh, until next time and i i believe distance will probably separate us again I thanks so. for visiting I us so, yes. in the in the big city the bosom of the south has been now, very kind now sod off back north